This is a Ward Scott Files advisory. The Ward Scott Files podcast may contain material not suited for people who are easily offended. Trust us on this. This show contains adult information and opinions. Please protect small children, sensitive pets, fragile houseplants, and liberal relatives. Thank you. This out, Warthog. He's going to come up the steps. Here he comes. Oh my goodness, and he's huge. Hello, boy. I wonder if we can pet him. Can Hi, we, boy. Can we touch him? No, no don't. <laughs> Help me! Help! Help! And now it's time for Coach Hogg's locker room. Good morning, good morning. Coach Hall here this morning in the Coach Hall locker room, which is located inside the Manly Warthog Man Cave Command Center inside Melton Law Studio inside the Piney Woods of North Central Florida, which is none other than God's country. So we're starting off a week. We're about midway through December. It's amazing. And uh, we've had this warm weather and supposedly we are to continue having it. A plantation mark, sorry, you may be freezing and chattering and we certainly feel uh, very concerned about the incredible uh, tornado situation which occurred in Kentucky uh, that left so many people in dire straits. I've, been, I've witnessed a lot of tornado stuff in my time as I'm sure you have, but that ranks right there as the worst that I've seen. And uh, it looks as if uh, the bomb was dropped over the city and just flattened it. Um, horrible situation. Uh, any way uh, any of us can help, we will. It's um, a phenomenon that seems to occur right there in the middle of the United States. I know when we were building the Beaver Dam on the White River when I was 19 years old, uh, that was my father's project. And... I worked on it and he used to always tell us, um, you know, get down into the basements uh, whenever we have tornadoes come all across this area, which is a basically through the Ozark Mountains across Oklahoma, through a corner of Arkansas there up through Illinois, Kentucky. But this was an enormously wide swath of damage and powerful storms where uh, these uh, air masses collided. And uh, I've not seen anything like it. And I'm uh, watched as some of you have occasionally the weather channel and watch the storm chasers when I don't think a storm chaser would have survived this. This is uh, really quite damaging. And on top of that, it has to occur at night of all things. Uh, the horrifying issue of it being complicated by nightfall. So we're very fortunate here um, to um, be uh, Communicating with you all from all parts of the world, Doug Whitaker's in Mexico. Uh, we've got Plantation Mark up in Virginia. Uh, we've got a, a pretty widespread, diverse field here of visitors and viewers. And of course, we record ourselves, put it out on awardscottfiles.com, which you may watch 24 7. It goes down to Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and it's running live right now on YouTube in case you're irritated by the interruptions from Facebook. Although I can't see your comments if you're over watching on YouTube. Um, today, of course, on the Mondays was a kind of a tradition at Coach Hogg's locker room. And I'm going to focus today on quarterbacks and I'm going to focus on the transfer portal. Um, right now, for example, we've got a Gasparilla Bowl or uh, there's so many bowls. There might be 100, 200. I don't know. I lost finger uh, track of my fingers and toes. But the latest word is that our uh, potential quarterback here that we are all sort of curious about is not going to make the game. He hurt his knee apparently dancing. Um, well, it must have been a vigorous dance is all I can say. But apparently he has withdrawn himself from traveling to that game. Now, that, that piqued my interest, and I want to give you a share with you a pretty thorough analysis of one quarterback, basically one quarterback uh, that the Wall Street Journal has done. Lane Higgins did this analysis, and it concerns a top prospect known as Quinn Ewers. 
Um, this is going to be uh, irritating to many of you all, uh, and perhaps others of you, you'll say, so what? Because the whole sports world is corrupt anyway. But hearken it to say the sports world has been permanently changed by the transfer portal and the ability of the unproven even college athlete to peddle his wares in the marketplace. And so the Elaine Higgins focused on uh, Quinn Evers. Uh, he had no playing time at Ohio State, so he decided to heck with Ohio State, and he moved on. And, uh, uh, and, and just a few, as few as 16 months ago, there were very few prospective college athletes, Higgins writes, that had as many choices as Quinn Evers. Ewers, uh, E-W-E-R-S, -E -E Quinn Ewers. He has supreme athletic gifts. Uh, he's the country's uh, top high school quarterback. He was by a resounding consensus. Um, he comes from the suburban Dallas-Fort Worth area. And he had attracted scholarship offers from 31 schools. And then in August of 2020, he chose to attend Texas. But that was just the beginning of his rather vagabond journey trying to find a place where he could be the star. He was not done choosing. Two months later, he decommitted from Texas and reopened recruitment. This time he elected to go to Ohio State beginning in 2022. Okay, we're not even there yet. Then last summer, just after the new rules uh, that, that allow college athletes to make money from endorsements. Yes, you heard that right in case you haven't been paying attention. College athletes can now make money from endorsements. Uh, when those rules kicked in, uh, he gave up his senior year at South Lake Carroll High School. So, you know, we've been talking about the myth that there is a such a thing as a student student athlete in college. Now, if you track a guy like uh, this fellow, yours, you have to wonder if there's even such a thing as a student athlete in high school, because he gave up his senior year at South Lake Carroll High School to enroll early at Ohio State for the 2021 season, moving up a class, okay? So he immediately attracted uh, what Higgins says is an enviable uh, array of endorsement deals that some reports have estimated be worth hundreds of thousands of dollars, okay? Here's a kid that didn't bother to finish high school that had been filled with accolades and promises and you're the greatest and decided to heck with high school, went to Ohio State, and uh, what he didn't get, though, when he went to Ohio State was playing time. Uh, he took just two snaps for Ohio State uh, this season because Ohio State is loaded with quarterbacks, okay? And if you think quarterbacks are uh, just another player, you've never been around this game. The quarterback in football is the most important player on the team. Uh, he's generally, uh, usually, or should be the best athlete. Uh, he should be able to get uh, uh, stellar accomplishments in other sports. If he is the quarterback, he probably would letter in basketball. He would probably letter in baseball. He's he's a he's an all-purpose kind of athlete, and he's got to be smart because if he's smart. He's got to be able to read the defenses, all that business, translate the schemes, all that business. So he is an exceptional person. There's no question about that. I've never thought Florida ever had this season that type of person at quarterback because um, it takes a brain as well as a body. And I just didn't think we had the total package. So apparently yours, in spite of the fact that he gets no playing time when he arrives at Ohio State thinks he is that total package. So what does he do? He gets in the NCAA transfer portal again. And he's going to find a new college team back in Texas. So that's his initial desire. So for the third time, 
in uh, less than a year and a half, uh, he's still looking for a place to play football. So what he's taking advantage of, as we're talking now, that this guy, uh, Napier, is going to have to deal with and all the other coaches, is the players hold all the cards now, especially if you're looking for that premier player for that premier position, which I don't think the University of Florida has right now, even with the other kid who's not going to, to uh, t- he's taking himself out of the gas robo. I don't think we got it. But we could get it. We maybe we'll get this yours guy. Who knows? Uh, but these new rules, let's back up here and allow you to get the cultural context, allow players to move between programs with ease while making all the while they're not even proven on the field. They haven't even taken more than two snaps out of college when they, they see they're not going to play, they're going to ride the pine, so they go. Meanwhile, they can still at that moment make money from their name, their image, their likeness. And uh, so it's not just the coaches in football that are getting these outlandish salaries. And most common sense people think they are getting outlandish uh, salaries and agreements and packages and planes and cars and staff and, you know, you know the moon, really. Um, uh, you know, and that's just to get them to listen to coming factor in the players. So um, uh, the, the, there's an automotive dealership in Columbus, Ohio. And t- remember now, Ewers had not even taken more than a couple of snaps that gave him a pickup truck, okay? So the kid has got a brand new pickup truck from Reichert Automotive in Columbus. And of course, the dealership thinks they got him signed to advertise for them while he's at Ohio State, even though he's still not taking more than two snaps. Uh, The transfer portal, you've got to understand, is loaded with players, especially quarterbacks. That's why we're focusing on quarterbacks today, especially quarterbacks. They are looking to relocate. They are commanding all sorts of perks. Uh, You've got Nebraska's Adrian Martinez, uh, Central Florida's Dylan Gabriel, Indiana's Michael Penix Jr. Uh, They entered the transfer portal in December. Uh, You've got Spencer Rattler from Oklahoma. He began the season as a Heisman favorite, uh, but he got passed over by a freshman. And both of LSU's top quarterbacks, Miles Brennan and Max Johnson, uh, you know, and we got all this money now coming into LSU. Uh, uh, we're uh, way down the ch- we're um, uh, in the transfer portal with yours, uh, who was the second high school quarterback to earn a perfect rating by several reporting services. Um, so uh, all these guys, and we're focusing on yours mostly, have undeniable markability. Yours, for example, and we got to factor in the social platforms on this. He has 82,000 Instagram followers as of August of this past year. More than all but one of 2021's Heisman Trophy finalists. Um, so, you know, he, he has got this base. It's like a politician. He's got this base that he can go move and take with him that influences apparently um, people who make choices about him. Um, he says he doesn't care about the pick em up trucks and uh, all the followers. It's a, not a financial decision for him. He says it's what's best for his football career. Now, uh, I got to tell you that what I think has happened, and you can agree or disagree, is the concept of team that we once upon a time as coaches taught to players to bury their ego and cooperate as a team and together as a team uh, with all the the links in the chain, they were stronger than if they tried to stand out as an individual link themselves. That's gone. That's gone. Um, You can see it in the pros. You got a guy like Brady. You got a guy like uh, Aaron Rodgers, whom I I used to not think much of. I mean, uh, my golly, I think he's as good as anybody you'll ever see throw a ball. And he's he bright. He's commanding the field, as is Brady. 
these guys are in a league by themselves. Okay. Um, so this trickled down to these young people and the doggone adults have accommodated them by essentially turning them into pros. Um, they have, um, as we say, uh, there's several of them I mentioned here uh, who are all very, very well rated, very well known among the coaching world. Um, uh, but so he was, um, uh, when he went, or he was went to Ohio State, uh, of course, I suppose the coaches realized you better have one more than one cow in the, in the pen or one bull, in this case, in the pen. So at Ohio State, uh, when Ewer went there, um, Ohio State had C.J. Stroud. Uh, he backed up the first-round NFL draft pick Justin Fields. Uh, C.J. Stroud won the starting job last spring. Uh, just behind C.J. Stroud uh, uh, were freshman, freshman redshirt freshman Jack Miller III and freshman Kyle McCord, who was a five-star recruit. Now, you, you, fa you factor this into the hill that Napier has got to – uh, climb here at Florida. Um, you, you, it's complicated. I don't know how these guys could do it now. I mean, you got here. Here, Ohio State has got um, um, banked here, bankrolled, uh, uh, got them all lined up. Four or five, five-star recruit quarterbacks. So it's. Uh, uh, furthermore, these guys have got agents. Yours had two agents. Uh, he had a sponsorship with a national kombucha brand which is a, a deal with a sports memorabilia company. And we said, as we said, he had a customized 2020 Ford F-250 Super Duty pickup truck. Uh, it's not just your average pick-em-up truck. The dude has got a F-250, probably a diesel, which is the, the big manly version. Um, so, you know, the, 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 the car dealer said it was no brainer partnering with the guy. And uh, then the car, car dealer was shocked when all of a sudden he'd already paid and had in the in the uh, in the in the, in the uh, bank here a lot of advertising that he had done with uh, the the player yours before yours took off, and uh, uh, that that was no contingency in the departure of yours uh, that would null and void the truck's lease to yours transfer and Reichert, man the kid still got the truck. He's not doing the advertisement for the car dealer, and he's off at some other place trying to find his first-class home. Um, there are a lot of these sports agencies like GT Sports Marketing, um, um, uh, a whole, whole bunch of them. They, they endorse probiotic drinks. Um, they give these guys cash. Ewers got cash from a beverage uh, company, um, and uh, uh, they, would not they would not respond to a request as to how much it was. Uh, there are endorsements that are contingent upon yours performance on the field. Um, so those he didn't collect because he didn't see any time on the field. Um, uh, it's just a, it's a mess. Or for, I guess, the fans, now I don't know how the fans attach themselves to any kind of uh, college because the student athlete is not attaching himself to the college. The student athlete is using the college to further himself, not promote the college. Um, so by transferring, there's no question but what yours is virtually ensured that he will play sooner somewhere else than he would at Ohio State. He might win, I, wind up at Florida. I don't know. Uh, he would not have seen any time behind Stroud, uh, the Heinsohn Trophy winner finalist. So... Um, uh, it, it's a significant thing, and switching teams has become so ubiquitous that even coaches who once took firm stances against transfers, and Nick Saban is the quintessential example of that, have reluctantly had to come around and uh, 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 agree with it and try to find a way to use it. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's a way to bring, and, and, and basketball we haven't even talked about, uh, Florida lost last night by a couple of points to a team, and it had its transfers, the team that beat them, and, of course, Florida had theirs. So the coaches aren't the only ones that are having to deal with this. Um, there is also the commercial side of this, uh, such as the example of the car dealer who goes out on a limb, gives the kid a truck, 
films a lot of advertisements with him about his car dealership in Ohio and Columbus, and then the guy is gone. So I thought today it was might be in Coach Hogg's locker room, since I view this as uh, a show of much of it as a teaching series, and you're the students. For you to be aware of the transfer portal, if you're not, and, and it's full of complications. Um, I suppose, too, you know, here's a guy, Richardson here, that allegedly has his potential. Uh, there's nothing to keep him from entering a transfer portal. Um, so it's going to be a musical chairs here for a while until uh, uh, right up to the beginning of the year, I suppose. Now, that apparently doesn't mean anything. Yours was sitting on the bench um, uh, during the season and, and uh, you know, hightailed it out of there. So, so um, this, is, this is a situation that has changed college football. I don't know how you feel about it, but uh, um, um, it's, it's all very, very uh, commercial now and uh, even down into the high school because if you got a promising high school kid. Now, when I was coaching, we even knew who the promising kids were in peewee football. <clears throat> you think I kid you. Um, by the time we had a player come to our high school level of a big, big school, you know, um, rating, we played the biggest schools in the state, the most powerful, because they had the greatest base to draw from, um, Coral Gables, um, uh, you know, places like this. Uh, sometimes we had to travel out of state to find a school big enough to play. Uh, this was in the heyday of Gainesville High. But um, we, if we had a really strong uh, uh, student athlete that we're looking for, we had found him already in the Pee Wee League. And uh, we'd already been to his parents' house and bought the parents a year's worth of Cheerios or whatever it took to make sure this kid had breakfast. So we knew the kid, you know, and it's a, I could give you a couple of names right now of, of, of players that we, we got into our system uh, that we had to have. And uh, the principal one of which was Eddie McShane, uh, the first black quarterback probably in the state of Florida. Uh, we had at Gainesville High, came over from Lincoln High, Lincoln High, Jesse Hurd's Red Terriers. So uh, uh, that was quite a scoop. And Eddie's a great guy. Uh, had a great career. And Eddie also was an All-American in basketball. He could have been All-American in any sport he wanted to play. And he helped the team win the state championship in basketball. Um, and he just, you know, he was, he was somebody we had to have. And we knew all about him from the time he was a little kid. So um, now it's actually got a, a, a much big commercial aspect to it. So depending upon how you look at it, the hotshot quarterback is still the premier guy uh, that you got to have to build your team around. And if you don't have the hotshot, I think Jacksonville Jaguars, by the way, made a mistake. I don't think this kid they've got is, quote unquote, a hotshot quarterback. Uh, I've watched him. Um, you know, he, he doesn't look off his receivers. He's a little slow. Uh, he gets caught. In, you know, he doesn't get rid of the ball in time. I think they got kind of a bad deal there with him uh, and that uh, he, he they, they probably, you know, he's not the sharpest quarterback by a long, even given factoring in it's his first year. And there are other guys, the Kansas City Chief player and those guys who did better and had more talent and could run better. That's the other thing. I could run better. So and this this lad can't run at Jacksonville. So um, once they get him in the pocket, he's not going to run out of it, and make any yards. Most of the time, the hot shot quarterback. Now, I want to switch over here and go to my local agenda next, which is always something that um, I like to do is follow up on the local stuff with you. And um, I, I've got to I've got to tell you that there is that has been a settlement in the hookah lounge incident. Um, let me go back and refresh you on what the hookah lounge was. The hookah lounge was a rap session, uh, rap rappers uh, that wanted to have a rap uh, session, uh, party event on the same weekend as uh, the uh, University of Florida homecoming, which that year involved uh, uh, Vanderbilt and, by the way, was before COVID. 
Um, so, uh, you know, they, they, they were advised by the city that um, they couldn't really do that, shouldn't do that on the same weekend as the homecoming because it would spread city resources thin. And uh, nevertheless, uh, there was a minister that got involved here, a local minister, and he started uh, on, the, on the basis of, well, you know, the little children have to be entertained, I suppose, was his pitch. But he attracted one Gigi Simmons. Uh, I don't want to get into her checkered past, but she was a commissioner at the time and who had been a childhood chum, believe it or not, of Tony Jones. And so she goes to uh, 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 Jones. Uh, I think Reverend Carl Anderson, I think, was the minister's name. Um, and by, by, by laborsome petition, they get Jones, and this is a, this is really uh, kind of a, uh, been swept under the rug. Probably this event was not permitted properly, uh, but Jones goes out there and rounds up some off-duty captains uh, or somebody that's not involved in security over at the homecoming world and all the residual of that uh, to come out there and provide security for this event, which is questionable that it should ever taken place in the first place. And um, we get uh, Jonathan Corey Smith, who is a well-known questionable character here uh, in the felony world and the rap world, which seems to be a, a street cred for being a rapper is to have been in trouble with the law. So there's not all that much uh, unusual about that, but is also as convicted felons carrying guns and all that business. And then you have a Maharaj who is uh, uh, providing security for uh, Jonathan Corey Smith, as I understand it, it's a tangled web. And um, uh, the, 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 uh, the, the, then you got Gigi Simmons and Tony Jones who have overridden the city. I just some notes I scribbled down from memory here, um, overriding the city permit process to have the uh, homecoming event, uh, event on a homecoming weekend. And uh, what this ends up is um, there has been a settlement and the charge has been dropped against Jonathan Corey Smith. He got credit for time served. He got the murder charge, got dropped. And um, Maharaj, who was the victim, had to have, who had to have his own security team, uh, pretty well-known drug dealer from Orlando, he was the one who got shot. This is all over money, I take it, and uh, sued his own security team for not protecting him. Um, no, no mention of the fact that reportedly, and send the deposition, uh, Malaraj, the convicted felon, was carrying a gun. And so he sues his own uh, uh, security team and, uh, and collects. And we don't know the, <laughs> don't laugh, uh, and collects and gets, gets a settlement. Now, uh, this was Jones and Edmonds were behind the scenes out in front engineering all this. They, dis they defended Smith, who owns, uh, who voted. Jonathan Corey Smith still owns, owes $19,000 in uh, restitution fees. He voted in the Gainesville City election. So the lawlessness, my friends, is just typical, okay? Now, we got several layers of lawlessness here, and there's not a damn thing been done about it or going to be done about it. I can assure you that. Not a damn thing. You, you've got a guy who uh, is involved in a felonious sh shooting at an illegal rap concert and uh, ends up settling one of them against the security team. He sues that for not protecting him. It, it's a tangled web. And by the way, this, we, the, the, uh, the city taxpayer paid uh, Edwards and Jones. Uh, they got paid, uh, as I understand it, for uh, uh, you know, getting this thing engineered to a settlement. And meanwhile, you know, the biggest object of lawsuit should have been the city of Gainesville for allowing the thing to go on in the first place. No mention of that. Nobody going to do that. You know, it is it is really when you when you swim around at the level we swim in the Wardscott Files beneath the surface of the water, 
And down there where the landmines are and the sharks and octopuses and all that stuff, you really see, you know, how filthy the water is. I mean, this is not going to be in the newspaper. Uh, this is not going to be editorialized or opined on as I am opining on it for you. Uh, it's, just a, it's just a theme that troubles a lot of people. Um, uh, Jones remains intact as a city police chief, unbelievably. Uh, here we've got a situation, you can't help but contrast it uh, with the illegalities involved in the Tuga Lounge incident with the SWAT team going to the Collier office. I mean, by the same police force. I mean, how do you, by the same city, I mean, how do you, how do you, how do you make sense of this? Uh, it, it doesn't make any dadgum sense to me. I mean, um, I, I just don't get it. I mean, I, it, and yet it goes on and it goes on and it goes on. So you, and you probably can't even vote to, to throw out the scoundrels who are the city commissioners. Well, Simmons got tossed out on her ear, uh, you know, I guess by a vote, uh, miraculously. But you had to get anything any better. Well, probably better. It wouldn't take much to be better. But but here we are. Um, this 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 stuff continues, and nobody holds in. Lauren Poe. Somebody the other day uh, said something about somebody named Lauren, and I beg your pardon. I, I said, "Who is she?" And and they said, "Not who is she? It's the mayor." Oh, I said, "Oh, Lauren." I never realized that before, that I thought when you said Lauren, it was a female. Well, I understand now that Lauren is one of these names that can be used for either a male or a female. How really appropriate. I swear to God, I never thought of that before. Someone had to point that out to me. We'll be right back on the Ward Scott Files. Going to take a break here for a moment. We'll probably run the uh, Warthog again just so you can see him knock that chair over. Be right back. Thank you. This is Ward Scott, and I want to thank all our sponsors who keep the show going and pay the bills. The Ward Scott Files premium sponsors are Crime Prevention Security Systems, large enough to serve you, small enough to care. The Ward Scott Files gold sponsors are On the Spot Dry Cleaners, Okita America Martial Arts, RR Construction, Gators Dockside, and Style Cuts. If you are interested in promoting your business on the show, you can visit our website, www.awardscottfiles.com, and click on the Advertise Here banner on the right side of the page, or call my friend, Freddie, at 352-284-3733. Again, thank you to all the great businesses that support the Wardscott Files. And remember, if you like the show, thank our sponsors and support the businesses that support us. He's going to come up the steps. Here he comes. Oh my goodness, and he's huge. Hello, boy. I wonder if we can pat him. Hi, boy. Can we touch him? No, don't. Help me. Help. Help. Uh, welcome back to Ward Scott Files. By the way, the uh, name of the security team um, that uh, had to ante up settlement with um, um, with uh, Jonathan Corey Smith, uh, Maharaj, that whole crowd was Rat Pack Worldwide Security. Rat Pack, Rat Pack Worldwide Security. Huh? There you go. The other thing that kind of irritated me today locally uh, was an editorial that, uh, you know, the Gainesville Sunset is really lame. It doesn't have much to work on, work with from its own people. So it reprints a bunch of stuff. And it reprinted this editorial from the Palm Beach Post, which is entitled, and I can, listen, if I put this title, <coughs> If I put this title um, on the day shows, on the day stories and the day shows, um, YouTube would no doubt block me, take me off. Probably Facebook would take me off. But it's okay for the Palm Beach Post and the 
Gainesville Sun to use these words, and the words are election fraud fakers aimed to suppress voting. Now, this is just one of the things that irks me. It doesn't probably irk you because you still, even though you're paying more for your hot dog, you can still afford your hot dog. And apparently they still got hot dogs. So it doesn't really rattle you. You know, you, you think, well, everything's they're really not all that bad. It's much worse than you really realize. It's just uh, hadn't all blown up yet. But, but here's the deal. It's a double standard. And um, this title of the Palm Beach Post reprinted editorial in the Gainesville Sunset is election fraud fakers aimed to suppress voting. Now, um, and this is what the governor is doing here in the state of Florida that is absolutely makes sense. Uh, we're going to strengthen voter identification. And as I said the other day on the show, there are some democracies in this world where not only must you have a, a picture, a picture, uh, but you also must have a thumbprint of indelible ink. Then um, they're really locked down on who you are who you say you are and you vote in person. <clears throat> the reason we don't is because of the whole race issue. We're the only country that I know of in the world that is just absolutely hamstrung by this race issue. It is being used to run the country into the ground. Uh, it's been used to make the country look bad, you know, with this phony 1619 and uh, the deprivation of minority rights. Uh, my God, you take a look at Miss Universe last night. There were there were no white girls made to cut. I mean, come on. What are you talking about? I mean, and it's it's just a way that it's fine. I got no problem with that. But quit this crap about you don't have an equal opportunity. I mean, my God, I mean, you had about nine people of color to choose from in the Miss Universe concerts last night. I got no objection to them. Uh, you know, that's the way it was. You had people with either color from the Spanish or color from the quote unquote Negro, uh, all these races, you know, that have been um, around the world interbreeding and affecting the gene pool. That's fine. That's what we have. I mean, you take a look at the advertising, you take a look at the, uh, you take a look at the sports, you take a look at the, uh, the television announcers. I don't know what they're talking about. You know, it's, it's, uh, what are you talking about? Aren't we all just people, regular people? Do we have to keep beating this drum and beating ourselves until we kill ourselves? I mean, this is what is happening in the country. This self-flagellation. I mean, just pounding each other with a cat of nine tails across the back for a sin that we already atoned to. I mean, you know, this negativity out of people wouldn't be tolerated in a locker room. You throw that person out, a whiner, a complainer, a bitcher, you throw them out. You don't want to be around all that crap. And yet that's what's running our country down. And now we got this Palm Beach Post who says, that, uh, you know, and running DeSantis down because they're scared to death of DeSantis. They're scared to death of honest elections. Uh, so here we have uh, DeSantis wants to strengthen voter identification, prohibit mass mailing of ballots, ban ballot harvesting. We've talked about all this stuff. Prohibit private money from administering elections. Uh, someone asked me the other day, is it true that Zuckerberg gave Kim Barton money to run the election. Yes, and she took it. Zuckerberg, through American and Civic Center for Life, something like that, uh, gave Kim Barton $700,000, okay? $700,000 to run the election. In addition, that's private money. The election is supposed to be run by government money so that is fair and free from corruption. This is how the election was. <clears throat> I can't say the S word. I can't say the F word. I can say this is how the outcome of the election occurred. Okay. It occurred because of the influence of private money. Period. We got it here. And most of it went to finance after a new car here and there, I'm serious. Uh, we've got it all itemized. It's out there on the website, what boards, hot bulletin board. Um, 
they absentee ballots, which had no accountability, which she, Kim Barton, admitted in the question and answer form, admitted it. Now the Republicans are being blamed because they're trying to inhibit, quote unquote, you ready for this out of the Gainesville Sun, Palm Beach Post, social progress of citizens of color. What? I'll say it again. Social progress of citizens of color. That's what DeSantis sensible voting revisions are being propagandized as being. And who's piling in on this? Let me just give you, here it is in the paper. You can read it yourself. I don't take the paper. I read it online. I wouldn't give them a nickel. Um, the League of Women Voters. Might as well say, might as well say the League of Women Hysterical Voters. The NAACP, which long ago should have been dissolved. Um, oh, God. You know, the ACLU. Um, these people are, are ridiculous, okay? And they're really frustrated. You know, I'm going to get into this more. They're frustrated with states like Texas and Florida, who, in the, in the eyes of the re editorial writers here, are uh, stalling reforms. Ref God almighty. God almighty. Let me, just, just, let me just give you something here by comparison, okay? Um, let me just give you something by comparison. In New York City, almost anybody can vote. This is, this is an article in the New York Times. In New York City, almost anybody can vote. The New York City Council approved a bill last week to let about 800,000, are you ready for this? Non-citizens vote in local elections. Let me have a coffee on that, please. Let me come up for air. Are you with me? Are you with me? 800,000 non-citizens are now allowed to vote in local elections. That bill was approved by the New York City Council and de Blasio says he's not gonna veto it. It passed 33 to 14. And even some Democrats dissented, said this is nuts. And that it's clearly a Brooklyn Democrat, Councilman Kalman Yeager, said it's unconstitutional under the state law, very clearly. And a Queens Democrat, Councilman James Gudero, said, yes, I took a, everybody, he says, in this room, took an oath to uphold the Constitution of the state of New York. The Constitution of the state of New York. New York's Constitution guarantees, and this is the problem with it, it's very vague language, citizens the right to vote, provided that such citizen is 18 years of age. That says citizen and has been a resident for 30 days. Now, what do you think the liars for the quote-unquote progressive Democrats have done with that language? You know, a liar can turn anything upside down on its head. That's why you hire a liar. All liars do is screw around with the English language. And if you don't know it all that well, he takes you and beats you over the head with it every time. So the liars have said, the, the liars for the progressive side have said, well, the language in this constitutional guarantee doesn't explicitly exclude non-citizens. So New York can grant them the franchise. The Constitution only specifically says that a citizen must be 18 to vote. So why couldn't the city, if it wanted to, even expand the local elections to 12-year-old non-citizens? Doesn't saying about age. If you want to expend it and play with the language, which is what 
than progressive people are trying to do. Could the city, through manipulation of the language, let non-citizens cross the Hudson River, declare residency, and vote the next day? Well, you know, liars for the integrity of the Constitution say that's not what the Constitution means at all. And those people understand that that would cover transients who only come through New York for the duration of a job and then go back to their home country. You're going to let them vote? Well, the way it is right now, New York, the boss here said, yeah. Green card holders is the thinking here. See, pay taxes, second homeowners, international students, illegal aliens. Illegal aliens pay taxes, so why can't they vote? You follow what's happening here? Do you follow? Do you get this? Do you get this? You, you understand? Now, councilwoman, you can. You're going to be. As soon as I say this, you'll be able to. You'll be able to predict what the answer, what she's going to say. Okay. Are you ready? Councilwoman Lori Gumbo. <clears throat> She's a Brooklyn Democrat. She's worried that if you stop and put brakes on this liberal interpretation of who can vote, you will de-amplify, are you ready for me? Stay after me, black voices. Okay. There you go. I, I, I don't think I'll live long enough to see this country outgrow this absolute obsession with flogging itself to death over our sin it didn't commit. You know, slavery did not start in the United States. It's a worldwide method of labor. Blacks enslaved blacks. Oh, I didn't know that. You know. It was a world, and there's a form. If you hey, let me let me tell you who's being enslaved right now. <clears throat> let me tell you who's being enslaved. Like, oh, well, that's not what really is meant. Oh, really? Yes, it's true that in the northern hemisphere, uh, you didn't have manumission and uh, miscegenation. In the southern hemisphere, South America and all, you had miscegenation. You could actually intermarry. And you also had manumission. You could actually buy yourself freedom. We didn't have it in the Northern Hemisphere. That's true. But we had slavery in the Southern Hemisphere. But you could get out of it by mustering up enough money to buy yourself out of it. And you could also marry out of your own race. Miscegenation. <clears throat> so the Puritans are the ones who started slavery. The Puritans got kicked out of Europe because they didn't think the Protestant Reformation went far enough. They beheaded Charles. I, I don't want to go into history, people, because, you know, I'm over their heads. I'm, listen, the Puritans arrived here and they were fanatics. They were eccentrics. Puritanism start, uh, started slavery. The first slave was John Squanto. Taken back to England to prove that there were such creatures in this new world. I think I got the name right. I'm doing this all from memory, okay? Just impeccable memory, all right? I can't remember where he put his coffee, you know, the same guy, right? So here we've got this labeling of any kind of sensible constitutional revision of voting laws as uh, prejudice against minorities. Over here at the New York Times, I'm just looking at the New York Times here. Huh? Huh? Again. Here is a long article and uses the typical letting losers win. This is what the New York Times thinks the Republican Party is trying to do, okay? It thinks it's trying to engineer to let loser, losers win. 
And by doing that, what they would do is, of course, reduce the minority vote, reduce, eliminate ballot harvesting, have responsible voter IDs. And they're scared to death because this is being done at the state legislative level. And there are several state legislative groups in this country that are Republican. And they're not going to be hoodwinked the way they were by Zuckerberg in 2020. Okay? And they're going to change that. And DeSantis is one of the leaders in that. And it is driving the Democrats nuts. Um, here's just a paragraph out of this article. Um, there's a remarkable possibility in the 2024 presidential election, Republican officials in at least one state may overturn a legitimate election result, citing fraud that does not exist and award the state's electoral votes to the Republican nominee. Trump tried to use this tactic in 2020, but local officials rebuffed him. Since then, his supporters have launched his supporters. See, it's always about Trump. It's not about a fair election process in the country and the nation. It's always, always, always about Trump. So since then, his supporters have launched a campaign with the Orwellian name, George Orwell. They have to launch, you know, the Times cannot comment without tainting the Kool-Aid, okay? With the Aurelian name, Stop the Steal, to ensure success next time. They See, the Democrats know what they did, all right? And they're, they're so afraid now that they've been discovered that they won't be able to do it again. And therefore, they have got to launch an assault, an all-out assault right now on Trumpers, okay? And they're going to use a cast of characters. They're using Steve Bannon in the insurrection thing, uh, casting him as a central character, uh, using his podcast to encourage Trump supporters to take over positions in electi election administration. I suppose I could be accused of the same thing. As I'm just, you know, I'm not Steve Bannon. But there are people in this community who are lefties who label me a racist and you know how that goes. Scared off, it scares off the scared knee knocking sponsors. And so the Democrats have labeled this a five alarm fire. And uh, uh, they, they think that, and of course, they quote in this article from the New York Times most liberal rags of all, the Atlantic magazine, or Atlantic magazine has turned into practically a communist magazine. Um, and, and now they're scared that the movement. To, to, to revise election integrity is bigger than Trump. That's what really has got them. See, as long as they could blame all this on Trump, they had a they have an, an evil person. You know, it's like Hitler said to the Japanese, or the Japanese said to Hitler. Japanese said to Hitler, you're very fortunate to have you have you have somebody uh, uh, against whom you can organize your army, and that's the Jews. We have nobody like that in Japan. Huh? So you got to have something to hate, okay, to organize a campaign against it. So you, you exaggerate it. So Trump is that which is hated, okay? Now, the Republicans, they accuse the Republicans of gerrymandering districts. Um, let me just go. I, I checked that out. I checked that out. <clears throat> And uh, I got, there's an article here uh, by Aaron Zittner and Chad Day. Uh, what's going on in these state houses is adjusting their districts after the 10-year census, okay? And there's a trend that these writers claim they see. State lawmakers, who in most cases draw the maps, have created more districts where voters skew heavily toward one party or the other, eliminating many districts where voters are more evenly divided in their political preferences. So both parties, you know, if you're Republican, you got you got to do it because the Democrats are going to do it to you. So you got to do it to them. So that's where we are. 
The number of districts with a strong Republican tilt has grown to 77, up from 64, and the number of districts con uh, considered safe terrain for Democrats has grown from 59 to 61. Well, it's it's very still, so it's balanced, 64, 61, very, very close. So the problem is Congress can't compromise. And so Congress gets dominated by one party or the other. And what happens, that party is ideologically driven rather than focusing on the larger and broader set of election voters. That's where we are. Ideological warfare by the Democrats. The Republicans don't have an ideology. The closest they came to an ideology was Trump would make America strong again. And even his own Republicans criticized him for that, which was wrong. <clears throat> Dead wrong. Dead wrong. So, without, you know, they've got to destroy Trump. They've got to destroy. Are you with me? Students, they've got to destroy Trump because he has an ideology, make America great again. They can't stand that. Their ideology is America sucks. Why would you want to make it great in their, in the Republican vision, make it great in our vision, which is to socialize it, even communize it. Uh, you, can, you can study this stuff. I, you know, you don't have to go on me. I mean, big long article here about redistricting. In the, game, in, in the Wall Street Journal. Generally more reliable than the New York Times. Oh, I'm having so much fun. It's so much fun putting all this stuff together. <coughs> well, you you heard, you, you, I'm going to end on this. Abortion. You know, the Supreme Court punted that. Uh, they were afraid to overturn Roe versus Wade. So they just said, Texas, you can do it your way if you want to. We're not going to mess with the states deciding how they want to do it. The problem is, that has created an opportunity for a guy like Gavin Newsom to say, okay, if the Supreme Court says in Texas, you can sue somebody who does an abortion, we're going to give you the right in California to sue anyone who sells an assault weapon. Really? And what's that going to do for crime? I, I ain't follow this. I, I don't follow it. It's not even comparable. That's what he plans to do. There's a big article about it. See, this is what I fundamentally disagree with the, uh, the, the, the abortion rights people. There is no constitutional right that I have found and help me out in the Constitution to abortion. The Supreme Court stuck one in there. Big battle, big battle there about liars and what they can get away with. And Texas found a way around it. Well, I've been watching uh, comments here. Let me just check them out. You can always give me a 352-325-3938, the Mellow Law Hotline. <coughs> Checking here. Yeah, the phrase nowadays is citizens of color. All right. Now that citizens of color uh, takes in quite a bit, quite a bit of um, what is an assault weapon, a baseball bat, a machete? Well, they're going to decide, they're going to, and that's a pretty good question, Lloyd. They're going to consider a an assault weapon, and they confuse semi-automatic with a automatic. Um is um, you know. They've got a definition that is so, and they've, they've come up with it. It's not a, a de definition. It's assault weapon. Like you say, assault weapon is anything you want to assault somebody with. I mean, you could stretch the law that way, I guess. You could, actually, actually, now that you make me think about it, Lord, you could, you could, uh, you could sue guys for, uh, <clears throat> you got anything out there at the dive shop that somebody could be hit over the head with? Well, that becomes an assault weapon. So you could be sued for it. Oh, boy. Hey, that's enough for today.
We'll talk to you tomorrow. Warthog Man Cave, Manly Command Cave, Command Center is going to take a uh, holiday till tomorrow. Bye-bye.